Welcome to another episode of Market Overdrive. I am your host, Carla Mina, residential real estate broker with Cole Banker. With me this morning, my co-host, Javier Garcia with the Federal Savings Bank. How are you, Javi? I'm doing great, Carla. How are you this morning? Great. It's Just a beautiful a bit... day today, right? I don't know Sunny. It's that. like 80 degrees out there. It's pretty good. I'm a little bit under the weather, so cope with me. Just oh. getting over a of summer cough, which is the worst, I think. I think it is. <laughs> Cold cough. What's terrible. going on in the markets? Market is hot. Really? Yeah. Is that just your, I'm seeing your a lot office? Of, I'm seeing busy, a lot of purchase busy. contracts. I'm seeing a lot of you know people co- applying for you know purchase approvals. A lot of investors that are looking to take advantage of the market as well too. Right now, rates. How do you are work low. with investors? Um, investors usually they're looking for good investment opportunities. There are a lot of people right now are really hot into this whole like buying multi-unit properties. Um, a lot of people are currently doing a lot of rehabbing for multi-unit properties. Um, specifically here in the Chicagoland market, I've been seeing a lot of activity like in the Pilsen area, a lot of people who are doing a lot of rehabs there uh, for three to four unit properties, something that's going to be able to provide some residual cash flow. And you guys do you uh, offer those kind of products for people who are looking to renovate? Yeah, absolutely. For investors, people who are flipping properties? People who are looking to flip properties. How are those deals structured? Those deals are structured a little bit differently. You always you want to make sure that they have sufficient amount of down payment. So anytime that you're looking at an investment property, you're looking at 25% down payment mm-hmm. in most cases. And then if it depends on what they're looking in regards to the rehab, um, aftermarket values and analysis that are provided from the appraisal management companies, we're able to determine exactly how much we're able to lend in regards to the actual rehab. Cool stuff. So you know that uh, hard money loans are not the only options for you. You can always call Javier at the Federal Savings to help you with that process. Absolutely. Well, why don't we get on with our show and uh, introduce Absolutely. your guest uh, this morning. The whole show is that there's more than corn in Indiana. <laughs> um, and I've actually you don't been say it cool enough. Hey, we don't say it cool enough? No. There's more than corn in Indiana? No. You you sucked at the intro. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so here with us. you got to sing the song. Do you even know the song? I don't even know this song. You've never heard the song? I was born in 83. When was this song? Uh, <laughs> when is this original song from? <laughs> but I don't think that was the uh, more than corn in Indiana song. What, what song was that? Gentlemen? Gentlemen. More than who's your home? <laughs> well, here from Indiana, uh, we have the Mergel Realty Group uh, with Keller Williams, and we have Michael Mergel and, and Dustin Kelly, I believe, right? That's, right. That's Did, right. Didn't butcher any of the names, right, guys? You're right on it. Perfect. All right. So Hi, tell- boys. How are you? How are you doing? Should I change my accent a little bit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the Indiana accent. An accent in Indiana? It's Wait, what? Indiana, not Dude, what is Texas. wrong with you? Yeah, that's Texas. That's no. It. Are you kidding me? I went that's to Purdue like University. I know right what there. an Indiana accent is. Is there an Indiana accent, There's boys? There's not. There's not. We say wash instead of wash. That's I got a couple it. good friends from Delphi, <laughs> Indiana. What so do you say? I'm How do you I'm familiar with some of the Indiana accents. Is that it is... soda, uh, Coke, or what do you? Coke. What do you? Coke. Coke. See. Coke. All right. There you go. Javier needs to get down with his Indiana roots. Uh, Hoosier State. Hoosier State. I didn't know you went to Purdue. I did. I'm a boiler maker. Wow. I'm a Hoosier. <laughs> You're a Hoosier. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Market Overdrive. Thank you so much for coming out and um, you know inspiring us with some of this uh, Indiana happiness. Everybody in Indiana seems to be so sweet, so nice all the time. Is that true? Pretty much. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Except <laughs> when the, the Bears are playing the Colts. Yeah. Right? I remember that Super Bowl. I think maybe that I'm still a little bit We're sour a little grumpier that, when the Patriots come to town. Patriots? Yeah. yeah. Tom, terrific. You guys happy about Jay Cutler? <laughs> yeah. Okay, Smoking let's Jay, get back right? to real estate because okay. Carla knows Uh-oh. nothing. <laughs> okay, we're, 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 we got to go back. Let's segment back to real estate yep. because Carla gets Jay, we wish cut. you the best in the Miami Dolphins. Yes. Keep uh, that great attitude, okay? 
We down now, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> this is what happens when you get a group of men in a studio. Sorry. We, you've been sequestered in our studio today to give us the DL on what's happening in Indiana, as promised to all our Facebook uh, friends. How can we make some cash? Chicago seems to have... You know, we are we have no inventory. There is no distressed sales. Invest, investors are like, where can we find something? Where can we get our hands on a good flip? And it sounds like your profit margins over in Indiana are really healthy. What do you share that with us, uh, Mike? Well, I think that, uh, you know, we, we do find some stuff that's still on the MLS here and there. If it's sitting around for a long period of time, there's an opportunity to grab it. You just have to figure out what's wrong with it. And, so that's one of our methods, but we find a lot of off-market deals where um, a wholesaler might bring it to us or through our different connections, you know, it's brought to us because they know that, you know, we're not only uh, selling to investors, but we're actually investors ourselves. And so they know that we're buyers. And if, you know, we buy something, we can sell <coughs> it to someone else pretty quickly as well. Um, we go to a lot of sheriff sales. We're still seeing two to 300 properties at a time come through wow. uh, the Marion County Sheriff sale, a little bit less than some of the surrounding counties. Okay. Uh, but there's still opportunities out there. You just have to try a little harder to find them. And when you say off, uh, off MLS sales, like I know a lot of the times people have like these signs where it's like, we buy your ugly mm-hmm. homes and things like that, right? Or Zach, some of the wholesale that we're talking about, maybe off the market? We do see some of the people actually get some of that stuff to work. For the most part, we're doing a direct piece to somebody or uh, we're picking up the phone and calling them and saying, hey, you know, do you still want this property? You live in Orlando, Florida. It looks like there's not a lot going on. It want to sell. And uh, we find the best results with that type of stuff, just talking okay. to them directly. What did you? What would you say is an average profit margin that you're currently seeing, you know, for your typical investor right now? We're typically seeing like 21 to 42 percent. 21 to 42 percent? That's correct. That's awesome. But before we get into the nitty gritty as to, you know, how to find these properties, I want to go back into how can I trust you, Mike? I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself and your team as to why you guys are so successful at uh, selling and flipping properties in Indiana currently. Well, there's no lack of mistakes that we've made in the past, but fortunately a lot of those are behind us. I've been doing this for 26 years. What? Uh, Yep. 26 years. I, 26 years. Okay. Um, it's the only thing I know how to do. I do it myself when it comes to investing, and so uh, I know what to look for and look to stay away from. And I've also assembled a team some 10, 11 years ago of 10 different people that work on uh, our team that uh, do different things to kind of uh, make sure that we're, you know we're doing it the right way. I love it. Dustin, love it. what's your role in the in, in this whole plan that I'm Mike a, has put together? Yeah, I'm a broker. I uh, was with Michael when he started the team 10 years ago, so I've been with him from day one, or at least he's been with me from my, my day <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, started investing myself two years ago. Okay. Um, yeah. And I love it when realtors grow into the role, right? Eventually you start selling real estate and you start right. to learn the business, so, but then you grow into becoming an investor yourself. And it's a different side that you bring into the transaction when you're able to not just sell real estate, but also you know, look at the acquisition costs and then be able to be objective about the profit margins. And it sounds like you're making a lot of money for your clients. I mean, 42% profit margin, that's a very healthy. Tell us how do you, how, how can someone start investing with you guys? Yeah, like how do you designate a property where you're like, okay, this property in specific, this is what we're going for. This is the kind of profitability. Like you're basically receiving these consumers coming to you and saying, hey, you're the real estate professional. How are we going to be able to find these specific investment pockets where we can actually go in there and actually get the highest amount of return on our investment? Sure. 
I think the first thing is you got to figure out who you're working with or who you're working for. You know, our investors, you know, they range from people that are doing buy and holds to people that are doing buy and flips um, to wholesalers themselves. And so we have to kind of identify, you know, what they want out of it. And then we kind of target, you know, what would work best for them. Not everybody's going to be, you know, uh, the right person to go collect rent every month. And right. so we try to make sure that that's something they actually want, something that they're going to be happy with. We find that our investors that are doing the aspect of real estate that they really enjoy are doing the best in the business. Okay. And so from there, as far as targeting, you know, if it's a flip, for instance, we'll look at something like, you know, what's the max purchase price? Simple math. You know, uh, 100000 is the max purchase price after I subtract, you know, my closing costs, my doing business costs, my rehab costs. You know, what am I left with? You know, I'm left with 50000 That means if we're going to an auction, if we're bidding on a HUD property, if we're talking to a private party for a wholesale deal, we're not going above $50,000 because we're going to keep the deal real right. and profitable. Okay. What are you seeing more of a concentration? Single families or multi-units uh, right now in the Indiana, Indiana market? More single families. More single families? I'm seeing now more often... Um, like duplexes and triplexes and stuff like that? At least investors interested in looking for multifamily and duplexes and things. Okay. Uh, we don't have a ton of them, but... Yeah, you know, some of the larger markets, because of the density of the population, typically have more of a multifamily type of base. We have less of that. You'll see more duplexes than you would see like a quad uh, or, you know, many multi-story buildings that are uh, available to just uh, like a single owner. And so uh, we have seen a little bit more of that on the downtown side of Indianapolis uh, in some of the hot spots like Fountain Square, um, Broad Ripple, St. Clair. These areas are trying to, you know, they're kind of taking some of these bigger homes and turning them into doubles. Okay. And so that market's starting to develop. It's always been there, but more of a smaller market. Right. Um, and it's starting to develop a little bit bigger now. Would you say that's possibly because of the influx of, the, you know, metropolitan people kind of moving into the area? Because, like, I'm seeing a lot of, like, at least for me, the dialogue that I'm having with a lot of people where they're entertaining the idea, especially here in the Chicagoland area, of maybe just jumping the border and going over to Indiana just for income tax purposes. There's a lot of other incentives for people to that want to do that, who want to get out of Cook County specifically or here in Illinois. Are you guys seeing a lot of influx of people that are coming into Indiana investing outside of the state? Or would you say it's more organic growth within the you know the Hoosier State people in Indiana investing and capitalizing on those opportunities and the market that the, that is there? I've seen more out-of-state people coming in in maybe the last, I don't know, three or four years, I'd say. It's a mixture, you know. Right. Yeah. Traders, yeah. what are they doing? Yeah. Why are they in Chicago? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So you are seeing people that are coming in from Chicago. Why are people going to, to Indiana? Why is this a, a place to live or a place to buy now? Housing so affordable. It, I mean, our market always has been. Um, it stays pretty stable. We don't see we don't have the roller coaster that some of these other big uh, cities do, Florida and the Arizonas and whatever, Phoenix. Um, yeah. So. When you when we were talking about earlier, you said something about you know the affordability index is high in Indiana. Um, right. Can you tell us a little bit more about that entry level home? What can someone expect if they're a young family that you know changed lifestyle? Maybe they just got married and they're having that one child and they're looking to start a, um, a life in Indiana. What would you say would be the entry point for them? You know, we still see a lot of you know if they're young families in Central Indiana, they're kind of going out to the suburbs. 
Um, and you can, you know, build a new home in some of the hot areas like Westfield. You know, we just heard this morning as low as 145 for a, yeah, for a 1300 square foot ranch home, two car garage, small yard, uh, but close to a lot of amenities. So uh, I could get a $145,000 house, three bedrooms. Yes. Yeah. Two bathrooms. Yeah. With the basement. No, no, no probably not. <laughs> probably going to get a slab. But a yard? But a yard? Yeah. You'll get a little yard. You can put a fence up and, yard. and have a What can I dog. get for three fifty? Uh, I wouldn't call it a mansion or anything, but you could definitely get yourself into like a 3,500, 4,000 square foot home with a basement, with three car basement. garage, luxury. a nice yard. Luxury. I love luxury. It. Underground pool? Yes. Yeah. Uh, underground underground pool. I haven't seen one of those yet. Hey, what? Why not? Indoor. Underground pool? It's still the Midwest, so you get, there's a lot of maintenance and stuff like that for in-ground pools. Oh, okay. In-ground pools, yeah, we'll right. still see some of that, but yeah. you'll pay extra for that. Okay. I want – okay, so we now have to move to Indiana. You didn't even make fun of me for saying that. <laughs> right. You're falling asleep. No, Where is Lucifer? As much as I hate the man, yeah, he, I know. he gives us a little crazy Every single time she slips. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> English is my second language. I'm sorry. You guys have That's your okay. nice little cool, like, Indiana slang, and I have my Carlamina, like – you know so what? You're working with somebody that I love, extremely love. Abigail Vivo and I used to work at Leo Burnett. That's where we started. And literally, she said she was going to create a book for me that had all of the like the nuances in English because I always me- mess it up. And she's here with us. Abigail, I love you. <laughs> Thank you for introducing us to this amazing team. I uh, want to wish you guys a lot of luck. Great luck. You have an amazing person representing you now. Um, marketing is her strength. But kudos to her for coming out and introducing us and making that intro. I know you guys are going to be super successful as a team. Yeah, we're very happy with with getting her. We had to woo her gonna, pretty hard. Yeah, you guys are going to take advantage of a lot of different things. In regards to the marketing, one of the things that I was reading on a blog today was just like millennials and where they're purchasing right now. And believe it or not, a lot of millennials are actually moving from the East Coast and West Coast into the Midwest states. Mm-hmm. For a lot of the times, a lot of the fact is that people are able to work remotely now, right? right. So the cost of affordability and the cost of home – Going into like a market such as Indiana, where you're able to go in at a 130 to 250 thousand dollar price point, that's significantly big for for you guys. You know, it's something uh, that yeah, is definitely going to be on the up and up, um, just because they're seeing that a lot of the trends is the you know millennials are definitely looking to buy in an area where they can get the most bang for their buck, right? Right. So, like, if you're looking at a Chicago or a New York market or even a San Francisco market, on average, price points you're looking at are anywhere between four hundred to $700,000 in regards to buying a single-family home. Right. Um, so being in a market that is growing, that has a lot of tax benefits for its you know consumers, is definitely going to be big for you guys, something you guys can definitely capitalize, especially on the investment side as well, too. I'm seeing a lot of that growth right now in Atlanta. I have uh, one of my realtors out there, special shout-out to Basil Maloof. Um, who definitely is just taking advantage of a growing market and seeing a lot of new construction that's happening in the area. Are you guys seeing you know typical new construction right now, a lot of development in the Indianapolis area? Or well, we're seeing a lot of new woods? construction typically in the outlining areas, you know, in the suburbs outside of Marion County. Um, and, and we're seeing a lot more condo type of developments go up where we traditionally, downtown was not a condo market. Okay. Um, but an interesting point that you bring up about the millennials is they're some of our best customers. I mean, some of our personal projects that we do are downtown and they are new construction in the sense that we're tearing houses down and rebuilding, you know, on smaller lots. And these guys are literally, you might have a single gal or a single guy that are basically buying a house for them and their dog, but it's 2,000 square feet. 
It's 400,000, it might be four bedroom, has a real small yard, but a nice safe place you know, to park in a two-car garage. And, you know, we can't build them fast enough for these people. And no, what absolutely. is the cost, what is the price point on that? Typically, like for instance, in our Fountain Square area, we're selling three sixty to 400,000, and we're getting ready to build uh, duplexes that are gonna be half a million a piece. Right. Love it, so you're definitely taking the price, the average price point to that higher limit. Uh, we're definitely the neighborhood's best friend in many ways. <laughs> yeah, I love absolutely. That. I can see and that. how many of these projects, I mean, this is the kind of projects that we're talking about today where our investors can definitely tap into and they don't necessarily have to live in Indiana to invest. You're looking for private invest or like silent investors that can help you with these projects? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're typically, um, my team and I, we're cash buyers. You know, we've always can't have been. So I always say we have only so many bullets in our gun. We can only do so much. And so I'll have some investors that'll come to me and like, why aren't you buying it? And go, trust me, I'd love to buy it. But I've got 12 projects going on right now, and I'm very disciplined. I mean, I have to set, I might have money, it's set aside though, to finish these projects. So I'm gonna get somebody on one of these projects because it's just that good. And so we'll make our money and typically selling them the property as well as listing and selling the finished product. Okay, basically a one-stop shop for everything. Absolutely. I, I like love it. it. Your wife is also a stager, correct? Yeah, she owns Center Stage Design. She's the largest uh, design staging company in central Indiana. So she works not only for me, but a lot of my competitors and investors as <laughs> well, which is all cool. The it's all cool. It's fine. That's, that's, that's yeah. fine. It's all in the family. But, but you know, I can see how you're using that to your advantage. Oh, absolutely. Because then she comes back and be like, but you know that now they're finishing with this kind of kitchen. They're using these kind of bathrooms. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she's designing a lot of them. It's like, yeah. Yeah, right. Is that what you do? Come on, tell me. Oh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> she shares a lot of ideas, and she has input in all of our personal projects. We offer kind of a turnkey system. Well, really, it is a turnkey system. We'll not only identify the property, but we'll get the bids. We'll align the uh, investor with the right contractor. We're currently working with four sets of contractors full-time. We'll align them with the best fit by personality and cost. And then, um, you know, we'll literally manage the property all the way to the end. Natalie will come in and pick the typical uh, design that goes into the property and then stage it, and then we'll list it, market it, and sell it. And most of the stuff, fortunately, we've been doing, we've been pre-selling. Okay. I mean, we've sold a couple here this last week at, at Studs just because of the, yeah. the area. Now, what, uh, what kind of services would you be able to offer for someone who wants to do for retention, right? I kind of get a lot of buyers sometimes who do want to have a property that's just going to be able to build residual cash flow. Right. And eventually it's going to be the retirement vehicle for them. Um, do you guys have, like, management companies or things like that that you're able to, you know, kind of get in, you know, in sync with the whole one-stop shop that, that you guys have going on right now? Yeah, we absolutely do. Um, it's a different rehab. We'll align them with the, the right contractor that's going to do a rental more of a rental rehab. Okay. It'll be kind of toned down a little bit. Maybe we're not putting granite. We're putting a laminate top, you know, just for durability, depending on, you know, who's going to, what area it's going to be in, what, what kind of, of rents it's going to bring. Yeah, exactly. Else. And then we don't do uh, property management in-house, but we work with the area's largest property and most respected property management company okay. in town. And um, we just figure, like, if we'll let people that what they do best do best. And, you know, you get a lot of property management companies out there, mom and pop. They're good for a couple of years, and all of a sudden money's missing, and it gets really ugly, and you're yeah. the guy that referred them. And so we've gone uh, to a group that we've done a lot of business with in the past. And kind of funny story is they're actually some of our best investors. They take some of that money and have us reinvest it for them. That's awesome. Yeah. I like it. Uh, gentlemen, I was uh, I was reading an article where it says that um, there are, that the values in Indiana are below 
30% below the national average. And it, it seems like, you know, you're talking about $145,000 single family house for somebody that's starting, right? Um, but we're also looking at appreciation of 7% by 2019. I mean, there is a lot of significant significant growth that needs to happen in the in the economy there. What is uh, what's definitely changing now to get these numbers to go up and increase over time? Are you seeing is there any like businesses that are coming in? I know that when we in Chicago, like we had the West Loop, for example, it was kind of dry. You had, you know, all these lofts. It was one bedroom units. It was a bunch of studio units and it was lofts. And no one were t no one was buying these um, back in 2010, 2011. It was like we were just saturated with inventory. But then came in Google. Right. And a lot of these buyers just started <clears throat> just picking up all, all these units just because of this company coming in. Do you have any major companies that are moving into town that are, are going to be affecting your your markets uh yeah salesforce just came in they uh invested 40 million last year in 2016 so we've seen a lot of an influx of millennials working um for these tech companies coming in and like javier said a lot of them can work remote or work from yeah. home um i was quite surprised to see the growth like in indiana michigan um, even like North Dakota and mm -hmm. South Dakota right now as well too. Yeah. And what's something that we were alluding to is just the fact that a lot of people are able to work online and just kind of have these online hubs. So they're going to states that have tax incentives exactly. for you being, you know, a resident. They're going to states where the cost, for, you know, for living square footage is definitely lower. You know, if you're looking at some of the bigger markets, you know, you're probably on average looking anywhere between 120 to 250 dollars a square foot, and then you're looking at a price point where you can get at home 145,000. Not only is it lowering your cost expense, but it's also giving you more residual income to have a better better lifestyle. You know, if you want to have those two or three vacations a year, having a lower cost of living is definitely going to provide you that lifestyle. And Absolutely. if you're in a situation or in a work environment where you can basically work from home, do everything online, and basically as long as you have a phone and an email server that you're able to do everything remotely, why not go into one of these states? That's why I was asking right. about the relocation and everything else because there was something of influence where I was seeing a lot of people from metropolitan cities that we're actually moving uh, just because of this, this cost per, per square foot. Are you promoting Indiana over Chicago? What are you doing <laughs> I'm not, over there? I'm not promoting I mean, like, I'm just saying, I for, investors, for investors who are looking. I'm sorry, Mike. Hold on. Wait, wait, let's... For the younger generation, like we're just, they're, they're, they're looking for You're moving to Indiana? Turnkey, Is that what you're right? saying? No, I'm just saying there's a lot of people online that are sometimes looking for a good investment opportunity if they could possibly go to a one-stop shop where it's like, hey, they're going to help me identify a property. They're going to help me with the rehabilitation as well, too. And it's basically the out-of-pocket cost that I'm going to have and what I'm going to potentially going to earn, whether it's a flip or whether it's for retention, is definitely going to be a growing market, especially with people more willing to invest outside of their own wherever they're located. Well, I mean, we already have people from Chicago driving all the way to Indiana so they don't have to pay taxes, right? I'm not saying I do it. <laughs> I'm just saying I know of people that have done that and will drive out there because of the, the cost. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's great. You guys are building. I have five coworkers that actually do Really? That. Yeah, and I think they're crazy, especially do during you... the wintertime. They're yeah. telling me that it's an average commute of two to three hours mm -hmm. each way. I'm like, that's like six hours. Right? How is that possible? But That's a lot, a lot of life loss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what's driving people to Indiana. But it sounds like there is more to it than that. I, I love the the fact that you're saying that you have a one-stop shop, right? And that you have all these options for investors who want to start buying and not necessarily get their hands dirty, but this is something that's going on. I mean, we talked about 1031 exchange before, and we talked about someone you know, investing and being a 
silent investor with the five percent return on investment over you know over time, um, you're looking at profits like forty one percent or you know forty two percent return on investment. I mean, what's I mean, what's the catch? Well, there really is no catch, and you got to realize not every deal is going to be a home run, but you know it's going to be at least a base hit, or if not a triple. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, that's kind of a you know an extreme example where what happens a lot more often than you would think, where we just get a good deal out of share sale. It's something that no one else paid attention to, or it looked like it was too rough, and we went out there with our contractors, or a lot of times it's just me looking at it, and I can estimate it really quickly. And we were right on. And so we'll typically, you know, we'll see a couple dozen of those type of deals uh, every year. Okay. And then, you know, just a lot of- Just with any investment, right? You can't just, you can't win them all, but at least you guys have a process and you've been doing this over time. Yeah, we just, we have a system. You mm-hmm. know, we basically don't deviate from it. You know, we'll make minor adjustments. It's like the old adage of flying a plane. You know, and you're ever going in a straight line, you're always making slight adjustments as you go. So we do that. But we're still doing the same thing. You know, we're taking off, we're pulling the wheels up, we're putting the wheels back down, we're landing. You know, it works the same thing with, uh, you know, a process like this. I think it's setting that expectation as well, too. Like, I think that when people are making an investment, they have to understand there shouldn't be a lot of emotion tied to it, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about numbers. So the beautiful thing about numbers is they're never going to lie. So you either are making the commitment to making that investment and taking on that risk, or you're not. Just because a lot of times I feel like some people maybe get emotionally tied to a transaction, and then that's where things can get a little bit messy. You know, it's like when you've overinvested, and maybe it's time for you to cut your loss, maybe do the price drop on the property so that that way you can at least go on to the next project and, you know, go on to the next headache, as, you know, they like to say in the world. That's exactly what it is. So it's all about the mindset and the expectation that you're having with certain investors because if we're selling the idea that every investment is going to go 100% correct and we're always going to get a profit, you know, we're setting ourselves up right. for a possible conflict, right? Yeah. no, and Never fall in love in real estate and never uh, overpromise. We always like under – we always uh, – well, rather, we never overpromise and underdeliver. Right. And so we just try to set the expectations. You brought up a good point, you know, right where – uh, they need to be so that there is uh, there's not a bad feeling at the end. We're building relationships with these folks. You know, it's not about just one transaction, one commission. We're building a relationship. Most of our investors not they don't just do one; they do ten, twenty, thirty deals with us because we've promised them something. We've over delivered, and um, it's worked out well. Nice. And right now you're getting into like the whole ideology of like real estate and why we do what we do and you know over you know just d- not what did you say don't overpromise whatever I don't know what I said there I kind of bubbled <laughs> a little bit don't overpromise you know? and it's like Under, something that deliver it, it, it's like, what? what was I doing we all need coffee this morning I'm on cough medicine so forgive me but you know like why don't we talk Michael more so about your business uh, plan right because I think that what we're missing here today is the fact that not only does your wife is the stager not only do you have have you been in the business for a long time so you understand short sales um, because that's kind of where you started with this process but you also control the transaction from inception as to where you're getting permits for your contractors you have an in-house person negotiating and getting permits for you and your and your developers and investors so i mean that's huge a lot of people are just thinking okay so he's buying and representing sales uh but you're really a one-stop shop can you tell us more about like seriously the nitty-gritty as to your business plan and what makes you like so successful Okay. So once we identify the the property and we've kind of gone through the the numbers with the investor and they feel comfortable with the numbers, 
you know, we we usually send it over to our legal team, have them take a look at it, make sure we don't need a variance. Uh, we have what we call our snake charmer. Who's Ooh, just, what is it, that? Well, that, that's, someone, <laughs> that's someone who's this really what good. what we want to know on Market Overdrive. Yeah. Who is the snake charmer? The snake charmer is someone who's really good about maneuvering through uh, the process down at City Hall as far as pulling permits That's and stuff. That's a new word. I like yeah. it. Yeah. We're going to hashtag charmer. that here. Oh, like right <laughs> um, but yeah, she's really good at basically going through and getting our permits done. You know, we got a new mayor a couple months or years ago, and um, he's really big into infrastructure. And uh, we were struggling with that, to be honest with you. You know, it's kind of bittersweet. It used to be like, let me just fill this thing out online, and I got a permit printing out, and five minutes later, now you got to go in, you got to show him plans, and he's really cracked down. And so these folks are overworked. You know, underpaid. It's not really a great job. It's like working at the BMV, right? And and all these guys are coming in. Most of them are contractors, and they're, they're kind of grouchy and yeah. stuff. And so, we send in a little bolt of sunshine. You can imagine who I'm talking about. <laughs> and, and, uh, the snake charmer. The snake charmer. Snake charmer. And, and basically, Love she gets it. our variances done, and she gets our um, she gets all of our permits and everything. And that's you know part of the hard part. And so we are general contractors, and so we do pull those permits so that our contractors don't have to have that element or get discouraged. Because a lot of times we're building something new and something awesome that's different. And so it's like, hey, you know, you're in front of somebody who's making X number of dollars per hour, and they're like, I don't have time to look at this. And so we get through that. And then essentially we work, you know, one-on-one with the contractors. We're down in our projects uh, at least every other day, if not every day. It's the first part of my morning is I basically put on the construction boots, get in the pickup truck, and basically drive down to the areas. It. I could just picture yeah. that. <laughs> I put on the, the accent. corn in the background, <laughs> and you get that cowboy hat. Do you wear cowboy oh, hat? No, no, we wear baseball hats out there. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. So, I love it, the accent, the right. boots, the truck, yeah. and you're making money. Yeah, that's all good. So then typically, and my wife Natalie, who owns Center Stage Design, she'll get with the investor and – brings them in as part of the project where they said, you know, this is what I'm thinking about, you know, the kitchen to look like this. And most of the time they're like, oh, that's great. Just do it. Sometimes they want a little bit more interaction. And so we're doing two things. We're, you know, keeping them involved in the process, uh, making them happy, making them feel like, you know, they had a say in what they're doing. Also keeping them from putting the wrong stuff into a property that's going to cause it to have trouble selling. And then after that, we come up with a sales plan, essentially, specifically for the property, promote it and sell it. That's great. I mean, it's, it's, awesome. it's a lot of work. It sounds like it, but it sounds like you know it. And tell me a little bit more about, like, pre-market, pre-this boom. Um, what were you doing? Uh, you mean before this thing? I was doing a lot of short sales. Um, we, of we're short unofficially sales. the short <laughs> sale kings of uh, central Indiana. At one point in, I believe, 07, 08, we had 126 short sales going oh. at one time. We actually created a system to uh, manage short sales and get them approved faster than normal. Wow. And so we just – we started getting them from the banks. The banks were literally referring us. And so – Are uh, you seeing a lot of short sales still? I, You know, I say it's about 10% of our business because we still are the short sale guys. I had to remind my own mom one time that I could sell her house. I'm not a short sale guy anymore. <laughs> uh, so – but we do – we no, do – Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love it? They, yeah, well, you only do short you. sales. You know, I'm like, no, I do regular deals too. In and fact, I prefer building them. building subdivisions in Indianapolis. Right, right. <laughs> right. But we still get them. And again, from, you know, different reasons like, you know, divorce and 
job, you know, transfer. We've had, you know, several people recently buy a brand new home, have to move, get in a divorce. Uh, they don't want to become landlords. They want to get away from each other. And so the only logical thing besides foreclosing or deed and lose to do a short sale. Okay. Well, you say with the people don't want to be uh, landlords. In Chicago, we have this dramatic, like, demand for rentals. I mean, rental the rental market is really hot here. Are you seeing that trend there, too? We're seeing that. And on the downtown area, we're seeing a huge influx of Airbnb. Oh, okay. Airbnb? Yeah. Yes. Really? Yeah, some okay. of the bigger homes that might be overpriced, you know, they've been overdeveloped and they can't get rid of them, they're turning them into Airbnbs and doing really well with them. Okay. Yeah, I guess the trend is uh, across all... Um, because are the we, landlord laws in the, uh, there in Indianapolis? They're I mean, pretty they're, loose. They're, pretty, they're not they? like they are here. Okay. I've, I've talked to a couple of people here. Um, there is a registry now in Marion County, which is like pretty much Indianapolis, okay. uh, where you have to register as a landlord. That way they can get a hold of you. So if there's a violation, they know who to contact. If you know a tenant's complaining, hey, there's mold in my you know basement or... The landlord won't come and fix my toilet or whatever it is. They can get a hold of you pretty quick and crack down on you. But it, it is not like it is here. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely Super good for loose. investors. Yeah, very good for investors. Absolutely. Because, Dustin, you said that there was, a del- there was some demand now for multi-units, but mostly a single family, but you're not seeing a lot of multi-units available? Yeah, certain areas we have them, but um, it seems like these out-of-state investors have in their mind that they want multi-family. Okay. Just because it's an easier investment or for whatever reason but um so we get them coming here uh, we're their first point of contact and i get that question a lot first but how are the zoning restrictions out there in indiana to build uh new construction like you know duplexes triplexes quads and stuff like that because like i know that you know right now at least for me that's where i'm kind of doing really well right now in the atlanta area is just because they've changed a lot of the zoning down there to allow for some of these multi-unit uh building is, is there restrictions in regards to only single families uh, in the Annapolis area, or is there anything behind that? There are restrictions. I mean, For every a market th- to have a, a big saturation of renters, right. you know, it probably right. would make the best sense to have a lot of these multi-units as opposed to the single families. Yeah. I mean, there's some restrictions. It's, it's local, you know, by township governed, and um, anywhere from, like, it's already zoned as a multifamily. You could try to zone up to a multifamily, but usually that in Indiana, that's going to be tough. Okay. You know, if you're down zoning from like a commercial, old commercial building and, and it's dilapidated and you want to turn it into nice loft units, you probably have a good chance of getting something like that done. And okay. we're starting to see some of that, um, some cool stuff. I live in a small town north of, of uh, Indiana called Noblesville, Indiana, or of, north of Indianapolis. And um, we're starting to see some cool buildings and some people kind of get creative there where this okay. has always been, you know, a smaller kind of bedroom town. So we're starting to see a little bit more of that, but more in the downtown areas where they're converting old factories and things like that. And so if you're downzoning out of an industrial site that, you know, has asbestos and you're cleaning it up and, you know, you're going to do all these, you know, half million dollar lofts, you got a good shot of getting something like that. Okay. Love it. It's a great time to invest. Absolutely. So um, I know that Abigail had mentioned that she lives by the... Um, the Grand Prix? That you, is that how you say the, it? The, the Indianapolis Prix. Motor Speedway. <laughs> Indian, I told Motor you I don't Speedway. do sports. Only the Grand Prix occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Javier, this is your like line of work. Like, I don't know what t- Abigail told you. I'm not saying Abigail, you got to fill me in 30 minutes before the show. <laughs> right. Tell me exactly where you're located. So the questions time, about know. sports, Javier, no is what I'm saying. Like it's the questions about sports in Indiana. What's driving? I'm. You said Airbnb, right? So I'm imagining how many people are putting up their 
properties up for rent Airbnb during this event? Isn't it like one of the biggest events in Indiana? Come in, on, Javi. Yeah, it's in the country. It's a year. The Indy 500. Yeah. When is this Super happening? Bowl of like motorsports here in America. So you wouldn't think to ask this amazing question because we got to tell our investors to invest there during I'm this time? I still heard about the Colts beating the Bears in 2006. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're not going to talk about any sports events in Indianapolis, all right? But this is one of your I'll biggest events. Are people seriously <laughs> investing during this time? You know what? Yeah, they are. And they're actually, it's not just that. It's in, That's in Speedway, Indiana, which is another bedroom community. Just It's within the loop and within Marion County, but kind of north of the downtown area. Um, the race typically will always happens in the last weekend of May around Memorial Day weekend. And um, but we're also seeing other things like uh, when we have a big game, a playoff game, or what have yeah, you. You've got a lot of universities down we, there in Indiana. We recently yeah, had the you guys Super got Bowl. Purdue, you guys got Indiana, you right. guys got Bradley as well too. There's a lot of big campuses and stuff like that out there. IUPUI is a downtown campus. Yeah, so if you know the Colts are playing the Patriots oh. or something like that, typically happens. You'll see like the Airbnb stuff come online. Yeah, I could definitely. So see there's that. just plenty of stuff. And, you know, we were talking about this on the way up. A lot of millennials, uh, you know, they prefer to stay in someone else's home than actually at uh, a hotel for whatever now, reason. Now, have they had any discussions about the draft coming back to Indianapolis as well? Because usually it was always in Indy, right? It was always there and then started rotating it around. I think we held, held it last year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I honestly don't know. I, I haven't seen that either. I was at one of the hotels last year, and I saw they were having something. Like, there were several people in a big um, conference room, like a lot of people in a big conference room, but I, I have no idea. I don't follow okay. it. Right. Carla? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the wrong down here. More sports? No, no. The problem is that I'm having my producer keeps texting me all these things to ask you guys, and I feel like I don't even have control of the questions now. But oh. Okay, so he's like, you guys are sounding really happy about this whole Indiana thing, and this is his voice, really. He said something about severe weather in central Indiana prompted tornado warnings. <laughs> so it's not just in corn and happy smiles and boys with cowboy boots and trucks in Indiana. Oh, is that a severe warning right now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, How does that affect we you? Got hail How does that affect you? No, hail that... the size of golf balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Kansas. No, seriously. Do people have concerns about weather in Indiana or is that just us I, overreacting? I, I, we're just yeah. trying to bash Indiana because we're Chicago. Yeah, go we're ahead. still. We're still bothered with that $145,000. She's going yeah. to start bringing like Magic Johnson references pretty, pretty soon right. just to like, get at you. Right. <laughs> you know, honestly, I've never really had anybody complain about the weather and stuff. I've had some new people that will, you know, Want transplant. Yeah, because of tornadoes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they'll ask about a basement or they'll just ask, hey, what does a tornado look like or something? But, <laughs> I mean, they're just so few and far between. Like she wants to twist it. She's like, how do you guys feel about the Bulls dominating the 90s? Yeah. <laughs> I'm what a fan. Reggie Miller. <laughs> Reggie Miller. Shout out. See, okay, shout out to Nico. Leave me alone. Get out of my <laughs> ear. Um, it makes sense, though. No, I, I, I do love the fact that you guys did come out here, and, and, and I want to elevate our viewers, you know, our listeners' IQ about Indiana because I went to Purdue, and I loved it. I mean, I was there for four years. It's a Boilermaker, as we said before. So it's definitely a different lifestyle. People are, I'm sorry, Chicago, but people are nicer. There's no one hunking, like, move out of the way. Driving is not that crazy. Would you agree? The lifestyle is definitely a little bit more calm. Dude, we're not like that. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Chicagoans are There's, not like that. What was it like when you started crossing the, the Indiana border Chicago and you came into sorry, Chicago? Wasn't it crazy? Really it got areas. crazy Traffic when we started crossing insane. the street here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Right? laughs> or you're like, move out the way. Like, yeah. <laughs> come on. It's a different lifestyle. I loved it there. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's it, again, it's just a different lifestyle. 
a lot of families here relocate because of schools, right? We have issues with our schools, CPS, and the whole lottery system. What's it like there with your school system? Great schools. Um, in fact, two of the cities, two of our north side cities, both in Hamilton County, Carmel and Fishers, ranked uh, number one and number three in the nation, best places to live. Um, a lot of that's because of the schools are so good, but there's good school systems surrounding downtown. Um, yeah, in the past we've you know taken kind of a bashing with the IPS school system, and right. and now they've done a lot of revamping. They've closed a few schools. Uh, they've opened a lot of charter schools. There's a lot of private schools okay. that have popped up now, and so you'll see families that you know want to live in the downtown area. They don't want to put their kids in the IPS schools, but there's plenty of other places to put them, and they get a good education. They just pay a little yeah. bit more for it. And as far as property taxes, are we looking? What would you property say is the averages? Well, the general average is if you're living in the house, it's 1% of the value of the house. And if you're an investor, it's 2%. Okay. So, very, you know, not as crazy as here, but what do you... What do you... I, you know, I personally think that the cost and everything else in Indiana, you're looking at property taxes are significantly lower than some of the surrounding states. Income tax is also something, you know, to consider as well, too. I think it's one of the, one of the better states. Like, a lot of, I see a lot of people who are looking to get out of Chicago or looking to get out of New York or San Francisco when I get some of these online leads from people that are looking to relocate. And the biggest thing for them is taxes. They want to make sure the property taxes are something that they can manage, something they know taxes are only going to continue to go up. So the, if they can get into a property with significantly lower property taxes, that's definitely one of their, their keys. And then also the appreciation of value is something that is there, but for someone who is looking for that single family home for them to actually occupy, they're really looking at the price point. You know, what is my out-of-pocket expense every month, and how much of that additional cash flow am I going to be able to use for other things? I mean, you know? come on, Hobbs. What's a what's a monthly carrying cost for? Say, what would you say? Um, would, I don't know. One hundred forty-five thousand dollars mortgage with a one percent tax rate. You're probably looking like a nine hundred to eight hundred dollars per month. Yep. Right, and you're looking at a you know a first-time homebuyer program with like a three and a half percent for FHA or a five percent down payment. There's three percent options as well too for conventional. You're definitely going to be under nine hundred dollars. You know in regards to your monthly mortgage payment. On How the about property. that uh, insurance because of all the tornadoes? <laughs> all the tornadoes. <laughs> all the, the tornadoes. Hell, the insurance yeah. is going to mess it up. It's going to take it all to 1200 Yeah, I think that's a little bit more further <laughs> south than they <laughs> yeah. said in Kansas and stuff like that. You'll probably see a little bit more of that. I'm not really seeing a lot of that wind hail and you know things like that, but... Um, it's very I rare. think that it's it's rare, but yeah. you know you're not too far. You're kind of in an area where it's like if you do want to come into Chicago, I was Chicago just kidding. I'm just saying, like you know, <laughs> you like can he can never take a joke. Jesus Christ! No, but it's like it's in a good area. Like I actually, for Dustin, when we were communicating, I have a buyer right now who was buying in Chicago, and all of a sudden he pulled a 180. I'm he's like, hey, I'm thinking about maybe going to Indiana. I was like, yeah. all right. I'm like, well, if you're thinking about Indiana, which areas in specific? He gave me the areas that he, you know, thinks are desirable, and I'm going to hand off to you guys see if you guys might be able to help him out. Appreciate so it. Yeah, it's something to. that you know, it's always going to be there um, in regards to market marketability and just being able to get in at a low price point, low out of pocket expense as well too, right? Um, because at the end of the day, if you have a low monthly payment, but if you're going to have a big down payment or anything like that, it's just never going to work. I've seen the same thing. Uh, I mean, most of the people I see that are worried about property taxes actually are, have came from Illinois and been hit right. with these crazy high If you're looking at the taxes. average property tax here in Illinois, you're probably at a five to six thousand dollar price, you know, price point right now for property taxes. And if you can go to Indiana, you're looking at a twenty five hundred to three thousand dollar tax bill. That's a significant difference in their monthly payment as right. well, too. Right. 
right? Just because now their monthly payment's also going to be adjusted significantly. So someone who might only be able to qualify for 145 moving to Indiana might qualify for 205 So you're going to be able to buy more house as well. It's definitely worth it, every right. single bang for your buck. Um, right now, what would you guys say for the average investor? What would you say the average out-of-pocket expenses for someone who's maybe looking in that $100,000 price point? What are you guys typically seeing if for they're not rehab costs? Paying cash? Mm-hmm. If they're not paying cash. If they're going to finance it, well, you're, mm-hmm. you, you tell me, finance. 25% down. 25% down, yeah. So if, <laughs> what would you guys recommend for someone who's doing investment? Would it be better to do the initial acquisition in cash and then be able to finance the rehab? Or would it out. be able to finance the acquisition and then just use their cash for the liquidity of the rehab? What would be your advice on that? Uh, I would say if you're going to do a buy and hold, you know, you're going to make your money go further if you're you know, essentially financing things and you're going to let someone else make that payment for you. Uh, if you're doing a flip, you know, it's just really what you're most comfortable with. If you're trying to do multiple ones, you got to sometimes divide that cash up into, right. you know, a down payment so or in, in fix-up costs and mortgage the rest. So it just really depends on the type of person and the type of investor and what they want to accomplish. But if I had to say one or the other, I would say if you're going to buy and hold, you're going to want to finance. If you're going to want to flip and flip quick, you want to pay cash. Okay. And then if you get stuck with a house or something like that, like you didn't buy from us and you got a bad deal, <laughs> then, then maybe you so find you didn't buy from us. Yeah, <laughs> that other brokerage. Um, yeah. <laughs> then you're going to want to, you know, maybe finance out, do something creative like rent it out, do an Airbnb, what have you, but get that cash back out and go at it. Okay. Like and those are great ad, ad options for Cash people for who flip. want to, you know, live in the properties or, you know, invest with you. But we do have listeners who are, you know, are retired, maybe our baby boomers who are saying, okay, I have this cash available. And maybe they thought that they wanted to invest into real estate and become flippers themselves, but they found that it's a little too much work, right? Who has the contractors to do it or who has the design ideas to do it? And sometimes they've had a bad experience, so they've decided that maybe, you know, their $25,000 liquidity or 30000 dollar um, money is not going to go very far because we don't have these $9,000 single family homes that they can like, you know, just do some cosmetic cleaning to. And with you, if they were to partner with you, would they be able to invest with what you guys are doing in Indiana? That's yeah, absolutely. We actually have uh, uh, two ladies that uh, one is just turned 70, celebrated her birthday last weekend here in Chicago. What's her name? We're doing a happy birthday shout out. Uh, Sally Stein. And, <laughs> Sally Stein, uh, <laughs> happy belated. And then another one, I think she's around 68, but you know, they both approached me and they said, you know, we've gone to what we call the boot camps. We know we've paid $20,000 to learn how to do this and we get it. We're just scared to do it. And I can't go out there and check on a property all the time. And so They've actually been some of the best partners. You know, they'll call me, you know, once a week and say, what's going on? What's traffic like? Um, You know, where were we at, you know, with the whole process? Or they're talking to Natalie because we're at a staging point and, you know, she likes to get them involved. And so we just kind of figure out what can you invest and what can we do? Sure, you want to put in $20,000, we'll give you a 20% stake in the deal and, you know, make you a partner and make you happy. And What's the minimum that someone would need for... Investment I'll talk to anybody. <clears throat> At some point, it gets a little silly if you're saying you got 50 bucks or something. But, <laughs> you got $500. But, hey, <laughs> I, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> you know, it, it just depends on the person. I've had some people that come with me and say, hey, I only have 10000 and we've just made something work. And 
And then next, you know, they've got thirty thousand. But let's not discourage in. the ten thousand people, uh, right? Absolutely, because not. ten thousand yeah. dollars is going to grow into something. And and people like some people just can't wrap their brain around the whole concept of flipping properties. And it's not as easy as it's people think. Job. It's yeah. definitely a full time job. I mean, I've tried it, and it's there's crazy. no other return that they can get on it as much as in real estate. If you look at it, even if you have the best CD rate, you know, that's probably out there. You're still not going to get the same return on Mm -mm. it that you will, even on a small investment. You know, like usually like what kind of investment, what time period would someone, let's say they're like, hey, we have $50,000 or $20,000 that we're looking to possibly invest. It just depends on the level of flip, but we're typically looking at three to six months is what we're going to tell people, depend on, you know, what project it is. And then we try to line that person up, you know, with you know, something that's, depending on where their attitude is, is less volatile. Okay. You know, like if you take somebody who's willing, you know, hey, I've got 200000 to put in and you're going to go, great, I'm doing this big $400,000 deal. They're kind of a little scared, like you're going to use it all at one time yeah. versus, you know, breaking it up over multiple properties at 50000 at a time sometimes works better. Okay. So we just, you know, it spends a, you can spend a lot of time with your investors coaching them, feeling out where their comfort zones is, yeah. where they're, you know, what what they want to accomplish, right. what's going to make them happy. Because like I said earlier on, you know, if our most successful investors are the ones that are doing the flips or the buy and holds or the wholesaling that they like to do. Of you know, course, if somebody's going to do it themselves, right? You're going to make the, all the profit, 100% of the profit yourself, but right. you're also going to take 100% of the risk. Right. And if you don't measure correctly, say you get something in the in the whole process wrong, maybe you miscalculate the cost of rehab, yeah. right? You you thought it was only going to be 40 and it ends up being 80, or if it ends up being even 60, it throws off the profit margin. If, you know, maybe now you're in an area where it's so hard to sell and you forgot to, you know, add staging to the property because that's, you need to sell the lifestyle or the the home is so specific that someone can't understand the floor plan. So now you need a stager to come in to identify, you know, how the space is going to be used. There goes another expense somebody didn't account for. Or maybe you didn't realize that you, you know, you needed another sewer line or something unexpected because you've never done this and you're a novice. I mean, anything can go wrong with the flip. If you're going to do it yourself, of course, there's going to be more money and more return on your investment. But Here's the scenario where someone is saying, okay, I have 10000 or $20,000. Kudos to you that has two hundred, right? Um, but if you just want to start somewhere and you want to, you know, see the process grow, I mean, your 10000 can eventually grow into, you know, $20,000, $30,000 by the end of the year because you're saying that you do have these opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll make you our partner. And, you know, with that, that means that we're accountable to you and good stewards to your money because our money's sitting right alongside of you, you know. If we're doing a hundred thousand dollar property and you're investing ten, that means ninety thousand of mine is sitting right, you know, alongside. So, yeah, it's a good bet. We I'm also gonna... know the buyers mm-hmm. really well. We, I mean, we've built our team to reflect our market, so we have millennials on our team that are our buyers. So we design these houses specifically for the buyers we're looking for. These out-of-state investors aren't going to know that. And it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, a lot of people take that for granted, but I do tell my clients when we're selling property, even when you're doing a resale for an existing home, right, it's not a flip or what have you, we're in the trenches, so we know what our right. buyers are looking for. So we know what color schemes they they you know they they gravitate to. We know what color you know kitchens they prefer. Do, are they doing the quartz? You know, are they doing the white on white? Um, what are the design ideas? And of course, you have a stager in mind. Um, but again, I do I think that you know the differences between Indiana and Chicago is unfortunately in Chicago right now we're kind of tapped out 
out out of our you know distress inventory. So it's kind of hard to find that as is raw product product that's going to allow us to make profits. Um, some of the neighborhoods, you know, we're, we can't get any like a single family below 125. Oh my gosh! I mean, I think now we're at like 250 thousand dollars for you know acquisition. If you get anything for less than 200, then you know it's a really good deal. But then you're flipping it and you're like what at 350, you know, give mm-hmm. and take uh, rehab costs. There isn't a lot of room for you know profitability. So we're you're saying that basically in Indiana you you created a niche for yourself and you have the actual assets product and so that's what you're building on now. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even on our real estate team, and we're there's a shortage of houses to be sold in general in a lot of the markets. And and ours is no different. But, um, you know, we've talked to some of the biggest teams in our office and in the city, and they've literally all agreed, like, we're creating our own inventory. So we're creating our own business on our real estate side as well uh, when we list these properties and stuff. So uh, we are still able to find those properties that are out there. We just have to dig deeper um, look smarter. Uh, it's not, you know, a lot of people take, it's just like any business. It is a business. Right. And so right. a lot of people <clears throat> take these courses and they spend five, eight, twenty five thousand $25,000. And I'm not knocking them. Some are really good. Some are really lousy, but like any other business, what did they say? Small businesses fail on an average of almost 80%. Yeah. And so these people typically just don't try. They get scared and what have you. So, and, and they, they look a little bit and they get a lot of no's and they're really, um, uncomfortable with that. And so I'm on my probably like 10 millionth no, so I'm totally fine with that. You got to hear a lot of no's yeah. before you get the yes. And I, I get I get excited with the no's, you know, because if I get nine no's, I'm probably going to get a yes here pretty soon. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I definitely see. It's a different mindset when you're looking at it as an investor, especially for a flipper. Like I remember a couple of realtors who were definitely looking for these properties are like, yeah, the uglier, the better. Because yeah. then that way they know they're going to get a better deal on the property for right. the acquisition. And then they really well, it's can it's not necessarily kind of the that the uglier, the else. better. It's just that no one, you know, your res- your your off the street buyer is not going to buy something that's ugly, right? But you still have to include profit, like rehab costs. How much is it going to cost you? If it's really ugly and you're talking about, you know, $60,000 rehab versus $120,000 rehab, that's too ugly for me, depending on your acquisition. But when it comes to competing with somebody who's going to own or occupy it, then it makes more sense for us for it to be the uglier. My question to you more is, Acquisition, like, are you seeing deals that are like less than ten thousand dollars, or, or is that just in the border, you know, Gary, Indiana type of area? You know, there's been some deals that I bought at the tax sale that have been really low. I like to tell the story of the time that I bought the sixty dollar and twenty cent home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was one of mine. I rented it out uh, Section Eight for eight months. At seven hundred bucks a month, shut and then up! Had an wait, wait, wait! Walk me through these numbers. Are you <laughs> yes. kidding me? Yeah. How the heck did you buy? It? Uh, okay, tell me about the house. Uh, you know, it wasn't bad. It already had a tenant in it and stuff. It was just, it was a during. Um, I think it was a short sale, and um, the bank literally, they were just. There must have been some sort of predatory lending situation or something. I don't know, but they were willing just to, to dump it. And as long as we could net them something. They were willing to do it because like originally, a quarter? well, they originally approved <laughs> the short costs. sale. Wait, after closing costs and your time. marketing fees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they originally approved the short sale in a negative number, and I was like, "Watch this. This is for the history oh my books. Gosh. I'm going to make the bank write <laughs> us a check, you know, as we sell this thing." It didn't work out that way. They wanted to, you know, at least net something, and so we we bumped it up. We messed our commission up a little bit, and it was sixty dollars and twenty cents. We rented it out for eight months at seven hundred dollars a month. 
and then oh sold it. God. We sold it to an investor, a turnkey, for $25,000. Wow. And it was a good deal. The house was worth forty five at that point after we had gotten done with it. So, you know, again, we, you know, we passed it on the proper way, but we definitely made our due. Uh, awesome. I've bought some warehouses in the, at the past, and I just actually sold one to a guy that's building uh, tiny houses. Oh, and I he love needed that. a warehouse uh, space, and so we thought that was kind of cool. And you know, we, I think we bought that for like twenty eight hundred bucks and sold it for thirty five. And so I call it I call it those as like maybe the the penny stocks right. of real estate. That is so cool. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I love tell that. You, I have a I have a client of mine in Atlanta. He ended up buying this little strip. It was about four and a half acres. He bought it for fifty grand. I quote you on that, Basil Maloof. This is your client. Literally, the property is now because it's in a in a it's Forsyth County, so it's just booming. That lot of land is not going to sell for roughly about a one point one to one point three million. That's wow. awesome. And it's wow. just like little things like that. And he yeah. bought it seven years ago, and he kind of had this foresight that this area is going to be booming and everything else. And yeah, I, I love those stories. We almost Definitely never for, we never give up on a listing. I mean, he'll tell you like these brokers will pass on a fifty thousand dollar listing, and I'm like, I'll take it. Because there's hidden gold. There's always <laughs> opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I actually got a certificate in my office because I'm in the uh, Lincoln Park office. I think it was 2010. I sold the property. And at that time, I thought it, I was super cool. I was like, okay, whatever. So I sold an $18,000 house. <laughs> and in my office, I literally got a certificate for the lowest sale. Nice. <laughs> in, the, in the office. And I was like, whatever. But holy crap, I'm so jealous. I'm seriously going to get rid of my juke because parking here sucks and get a truck. And I'm moving to Indiana. I don't know who's with me, yes. but it sounds we'll like there's a lot cap. of money. Yep. There's a lot of money to be made. That's okay, a day I'll, of parking I'll... here, $60 <laughs> yeah. to buy a house with it. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Are you complaining about our parking because you had such a hard time? Yes. <laughs> I want to give you seriously no, kudos to you guys for driving out here. I know that you left, what, 5, o'clock, 5 a.m. this morning? Yeah, actually yeah. about 6.30. 6.30? Yeah, we gained an hour, so it worked out good. You guys did pretty good. And I yeah. do have permission from your office manager to go ahead and post the pictures that were giving to me of you changing in the parking lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we that don't was... do that in Chicago, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. I did that last Wednesday. No, did you? Like... Field. Yeah. Actually, I think I was supposed to call Dustin. I was changing oh, yeah. the parking lot. I sold the field from the suit and like, just into like, workout clothes. I was like, whatever. I love gotta it. Got to do what you got to do. Hey, I love my Indiana family. Thank you so much for closing the borders and coming out to hang out with the mod squad um really love the opportunities that you're presenting our listeners so if anyone's interested in the investment um options and of course if you're shopping in indiana there's no one else better than to work with mike and his team because apparently you'll go wrong if you don't don't want to make yeah. the call you after your bad acquisition right <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we'll get you out of it gentlemen if someone wanted to get a hold of you where can they reach you um, you can always call me directly. I'll give you my cell phone. It's 317-645-8717. Uh, Michael Mergel at kw.com. Um, you can find me. If you Google me, you'll find me. Um, MichaelMergel.com. You I know, love it. Everybody's Googleable these days. Yeah. And Michael Dustin, Mergel. where can we get Mer- a hold of Mergel you? MergelRealtyGroup.com, too. My uh, cell is 317-370-6700. And then Facebook or Instagram, Dustin Kelly. Love it. Javier, it sounds like it's the end. I know. If you guys need to get a hold of me, go ahead and email close my loan at the Federal Savings Bank, or you can reach me at 312-738-6074, NMLS 217-343. It's a wrap. Thank you for watching and listening to us on Market Overdrive. We're here every Wednesday at 10 a.m. I love country music. Listen to that. (laughs) It's not bad. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you.